0: go home and stay home. And stay home. Stay home.
1: WFH Mode. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Work From Home edition of our podcast. Today I'm really excited because we've got not one, not two, but three people joining us. We've got from our strategy team, Julie and Marguerite, say hi.
2: Hi. Hi.
1: And of course, my faithful partner in crime, in business, in life, Sandy, give us a hi. Hey there. Or, <laughs> or a patented Sandy Fleischer, hey there. So, you know, we started this work from home mode podcast to deal with one thing that was happening in our world being COVID-19. And... As things do, the landscape changes very quickly in this world that we live in. And so fast, in fact, that we've been trying to deal with a bunch of other issues that have come up more from a social side of things. So the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the rapid, I guess, three weeks of protests, activism, social media, uncertainty rapid fire posting changes. It's a lot to sort of take in both personally and as brands. So that's why we kind of brought together this bigger round table of smarty people um, to sort of dive into what is it that brands can do? How can they provide value in a like evolving, changing, super important conversation um both without getting in the way of things and also like making sure that that we can get to a place where it seems that and and maybe this is where i'll I'll, I'll formulate an actual question (laughs) but it, it seems like we're going so fast that now we're going from more of an awareness play of activism to a place of action. So maybe like the first question to the group, how is everyone dealing with this, you know, both personally and and kind of how they describe kind of what's happening right now?
0: I'll jump in. Yeah, I mean, personally, it has been a uh, a really, educationally focused experience for me, you know, putting my ego aside and, and unlearning some behaviors and learning some new behaviors, because obviously, you know, we work very closely with our clients on directing them as to what they should be saying in the world of social media. And so we need to be, you know, on top of things as much as possible uh, as a person. So we're directing our clients in, in the best way forward. Uh, for them and for their business.
1: It's almost a uh, godsend to have to like deal with it first like almost from an impartial third-party place for clients and then you've kind of worked out a bunch of things for yourself because you're you're in the moment. It's really interesting. What about you Marguerite?
2: Yeah I echo everything Jules just said. I think the biggest part for me, it's just educating myself on what I can do and even taking that offline and educating some of my family members on these issues because like some of my grandparents haven't really heard the extent of everything that's happening. And because it's not a norm in their time per se, but like it's obviously getting highlighted much more now and social media as the vessel for a lot of the ways that people are speaking out about it. So because they're not active on that platform, like, I feel like it's important to not miss out on that huge group, too, because they're also influential people. So, yeah, I think the biggest piece is really educating and kind of putting those values forward and not just saying that you're an advocate or the buzzword ally and really, like, living that.
1: I think that's, that's the, the really interesting thing, that last part. Everything you said was interesting marguerite but that last part about the moving beyond the sort of veneer of being involved in an issue into actually understanding it and doing something about it seems to be what's different about this versus maybe other huge kind of um points along on the chain of 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 activism whether it's the environment or anything like it seems like this One in particular has really pushed people just like, I can't just pay lip service to it anymore.
0: And I love that, (laughs) frankly. I think that's one of the things that I've admired the most about this movement is people are calling people out to say, stop, just posting saying that you you know stand in solidarity or you know for brands when you think about pride everybody loves to do the the pride post and the colorful rainbow incorporating into the brand in some way but you know in the last few years we've seen more people call each other out to say but what are you actually doing how are you actually supporting you know the cause of the movement or whatever it is and so I, I've really loved to see that as brands are now being forced to do more than just say that yep we you know we stand in solidarity but now it's it's it can't be that performative allyship anymore. it needs to be what are the actual action items you are doing, and uh, you know what what is your plan and how are you going to continue to do this long term and this isn't just a blip on the radar because you know you should be doing something right now
3: for me, what's interesting you know I like I like the way you put it, Jackson, in terms of lifting the veneer and that's something that needs to happen on an individual level as as well as that brand level and you know, I, I, I hate to just throw out the word authenticity because it's kind of like the way we always said the word synergy a few years ago. But, you know, I don't know if you want to say authentically authentic, but it's, it's just been, uh, you know, fascinating for me to see brand after brand uh, putting, putting their foot in it, uh, whether it's being completely inauthentic or whether it's being what feels authentic, but in a non-self critical way. And you know, something that's been really interesting for me to see <clears throat> is all the activity in Twitter where brands will come out standing behind Black Lives Matter and then instantly there'll be that reply, this you. And it's just a really great way to expose the hypocrisy in a smart way. So, you know, by way of example, you know, one that sticks out for me is after h H&M and posted about um, that they stand behind um, the, the movement in the United States. This was from H&M, h uh, and France. Instantly, someone replied to that tweet saying, this you, and it showed an ad that they had previously run showing a black boy in a hoodie that read Coolest Monkey in the Jungle. And it's like, you know, that was clearly inexcusable. And while I want to believe that H&M was being authentic in saying they stood behind the movement, the fact, you know, we're not talking about Aunt Jemima here, um, whole other discussion, but the fact that they weren't comfortable, you know, talking about their past,
1: you know, negated the whole thing. And maybe that's a good jumping off point. What brand is, do you think is like really nailed, like navigating this, like that can, that you like to have are talking about with say our clients or, or using as an example of people who are like not only rising to the challenge, um, not doing it in a way that gets them more called out
2: i noticed yeah i think the one that a lot of people are talking about right now is ben and jerry's and i know in the prompt we have that too but i think like why that one has stood out um amongst all the ones who are maybe doing more performative allyship is the fact that they've always been an advocate for um social issues such as this and even like with the Um, the banning of uh, same-sex marriage in Australia, like they stopped serving same scoops in stores because they wanted to support that. So I think it feels more authentic from their standpoint than brands who are now just getting on the movement. And it's not like they've just jumped on the bandwagon. Um, They've always been doing this. So you can tell it's like in their values and they're not just one of the people who are only now showing up for... Uh, the Black community, they've always been doing that. And I think people are recognizing that um, they've been doing this throughout their entire, I guess, conception. So in that way, in that sense, they're almost like leaders in in this issue because, yeah, they've just always been the influential brand that people have been looking to in this.
0: I totally agree, Marguerite. And they are such an incredible example as um, you know, it's it's written into their DNA, it's written into their their brand values as to, you know, who they support and, and what they stand for. And it's it's so to Sandy to use one of your words, it's so authentic for them to come out and, and take the position that they had. I think there are so many brands who aren't Ben and Jerry's who have not had that legacy of support until now and so now it's been a big wake-up call for them to say okay well uh, we need to start and the time is now and so what does that look like and so brands for me that don't have that legacy but have uh, I've been impressed with with the position and, and kind of their their plans that they've been creating is uh, specifically one for me that that jumps out is Barry's boot camp and uh, if you're not familiar with that it's a it's a fitness franchise and their their US account, put out, I think it was like a a 10 framed carousel and it was seven action items that they were doing. So it wasn't just, you know, here we stand in solidarity. solidarity. It was that. And You know, we've been taking the last week to survey our people to understand where the gaps are and here are seven action items and some of them are huge. Some of them were, we've hired a VP of uh, diversity and inclusion and some of them were small, you know, we're we're pairing with local groups who don't have uh, access to berries and fitness facilities like ours and things like that. And so that type of content, to me, is impressive because they don't have that Ben & Jerry's legacy, but they're saying, we are committing. Here are seven things that you can hold us accountable to. And really, the, the proof is going to be in the pudding on- ongoing. Is this something that's a moment in time? Or are we going to continue to see some of these types of posts over the coming months and years, like we've seen with Ben & Jerry's, where they continue to show what they've been doing and how they're evolving?
1: I like that. Proof is in the pudding. It definitely like has the... The news cycle kind of like quiets down a little bit, although it seems like every day there's something new to kind of like turn the heat up a, a, a bit more on it. Uh, it's definitely the will they hold themselves accountable, but I think that's a, gr- a really good example for brands that don't have the luxury of being Ben and Jerry's and have like a thirty year head start <laughs> of things. And and I think what for me that what's really interesting is that. I I think that that brands can be okay with being late to the game like it it seems like that people will allow them the time to do the right things in a way that they you know would normally get completely canceled um and I think that that's the interesting thing is there's this this battle between do you instantly cancel something bad or do you kind of challenge it and get it to a place that's that's doing the right thing and i think that movement of you're done you can never rise up again mm-hmm. seems like an interesting kind of step to take because then i think people will be more authentic in taking those steps on a journey not trying to like change everything overnight or like stop the presses and change our ad tomorrow to make it look like we're doing something for the next six weeks and then go back to business as usual
0: yeah I, I agree jackson and i also think this is going to be a time where brands are going to have to practice a lot of humility because they're not going to get everything right they're not going to use the right language they're not going to do things in the right way and they're going to get called out for it i mean we've been we've seen it happen in the last three weeks and so right now is going to be a really key moment for brands in how they handle that do they pause do they listen do they unlearn reeducate? And you know, acknowledge that maybe that they were wrong in, in their approach and, and pivot. So I think now is a time for all egos to be put aside and brands need to really listen and and learn and be open to being called out and be open to changing it and being better.
1: Yeah. I think like when Sandy kind of alluded to it, but you know, seeing you know a company as big as PepsiCo moving to rebrand off like a whole thing that's been around for 123 years um, based on this is that's, that's a huge change in the world. Like it's pancake mix. Does, do, do people really think that much about it? But the, the fact that they're just like, no, by the end of the year, it's going to be a different brand, which that's, that's a big thing.
3: maybe this speaks to my personality but honestly i've been focusing more on the brands that have really been messing things up and you know i one that just popped into my mind when we were talking about the positive side of fitness brands is uh you know it's been interesting to see how crossfit has so quickly and deservedly Tumbled, you know, and to me, it's an example of, from everything I've read, because because clearly, if you could see me, you'd know I'm not part of the CrossFit world, but um, definitely, it sounds like, and you know, I don't know, it's going to be I get lots of email over this one, but it sounds like there were elements of the culture that really were leaning into that superior type thinking that that is maybe the you know a big part of racist attitudes. And it took something like this for the CEO to say something completely responsible and racist and to see
1: it get undone like that. I'm not going to lie. It was really satisfying for me. I like it. Good. You added yourself as someone who's not uh, overly CrossFit. So uh, that's interesting. (laughs) And uh, yeah, uh, if you're not CrossFit and you're a fitness brand, we're happy to uh, help you. I I was just going to say what, i start
3: to think about when i hear all of this is you know I'm, I'm i'm heartened by the fact that the the technology and the platform and how social media could bring about change you know so a company that quite frankly thought it was okay to be racist for 125 years, all of a sudden is forced to reckon with the fact that that is no longer cool. And, and that's exciting to me. And that's like a big check in the, uh, in the, 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 the good that social media could do. But I think, I, I mean, I'm not sure where you're going to steer us next, but I also think about, you know, the ever prevalent shadow side of, of social media and all the evils too. And I guess that's what I've been thinking about so much is the good
1: and the bad. Yeah, I, I think keeping on or kind of morphing the discussion into social media is an interesting place because I think I maybe this is a question for Jules um, specifically, um, but I can't imagine like another three week period where there's been so many like things that brands have to take on, like from the the kind of spike of the movement to like um, blackout Tuesday to um, these kind of next phases of, of, of things like this, this three weeks has been intense. Like there's probably a lot of stressed out social media strategists and managers out in North America currently, but maybe I'd love your perspective on like what's, what, what are the lessons for, from the last three weeks that kind of will persist, and what things do you think will just be things that we won't be talking about in six months or a year?
0: Yeah, I think that the last three weeks have been so fascinating to witness on social because, you know, it's uh, you've seen people who've been posting business as usual, and I've seen some of those people get called out because they're not addressing, you know, what's going on right now. And it's uh, it's blind, blind social media posting is what I call it, or or just scheduling content and and not being mindful of what's going on. Uh, and then you know, it's been obviously Instagram specifically has been kind of the number one platform for sharing and educating and. That's personally, as just a a consumer of content, not even as a social media strategist, but just as a consumer of content, it's been so interesting for me. That's where I've done the majority of my learning from what people have shared and uh, the types of, you know, whether it's quotes or resources or places to donate, you know, a a lot of that learning and frankly unlearning. I I keep kind of harboring on that point because I think that there's so many things that we, words that we say or, or ways that we act that we've had to actually take pause, realize, and unlearn those things and kind of relearn the the correct behavior. And so all of that has been, all of that sharing and educating has really been happening in the social media space. So it's been fascinating to see how brands have been participating. And you've also probably noticed the social media aesthetic, or sorry, I should say more specifically, the Instagram aesthetic has kind of gone out the door in the last three weeks, which, you know, for brands that are so mindful of every post and filter and everything that they put on their feed, uh, you know, it's, it's very word focused. You've seen loads of posts that are just, you know, people writing notes in their iPhone and posting that as, as a feed post. And so the, the message has taken the prominence over the visual and I love that because it's really forced us to, uh, you know, not worry about the pretty pictures, but think about the content and the value in that content as well. And then, the kind of your last point, Jackson, around how will this change or what will this look like? I think I saw something in one of the, uh, on Instagram where someone was saying, you know, at what point can we go back to our regular aesthetic? And you know, the answer to that is well, we we shouldn't, right? This is this is one of those massive disruptors. Uh, arguably, you could say like the iPhone disrupted the market. This is a disruptor that is forcing everyone to take a pause and reevaluate their strategy, their visuals, their behavior, um, what their feed looks like. Is there any diversity in their feed? Things like that. So I don't think that people, I don't think people should go back to what they were doing. I think this is a disruptor that will allow everyone to evaluate and uh, reposition and possibly pivot their, their strategies ongoing when it comes to content and social.
2: I really like the piece where you mentioned like the aesthetic about Instagram, because I've read a lot of, articles from um the black community and they said they recognize how people have good intentions when they post those title cards or um tick tock dances with the hashtag black lives matter or the watercolor black lives matter signs but that's not really doing anything to help out people on the ground so it's interesting when you look at like all the content from the protests that are happening around the world and even in vancouver um you'll see there's a lot of young people who are putting their actual bodies out there and standing up to the police and they're the ones on the front line. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that was a huge wake up call, I think for a lot of people, um, especially brands, because the fact that younger groups are willing to actually be the ones out there and fighting the least that brands could do is do something beyond making a post or a title card or donating funds like they should go above and beyond everything that they can because they have so much power um and yeah i totally agree the aesthetic of instagram is is not what's important right now and i don't think it's going to resume for quite a while
1: it's it's interesting on the aesthetic because because i've noticed there is a dichotomy between what's happening in stories and what's happening in the feed itself like in a lot of you know so-called influencers there definitely was a pattern in their their last three posts that was like black square educational post back to normal but in their stories they're Definitely much more engaged, but but it feels like there is like a like a bit of like a, a hesitation to break the aesthetic versus like people are willing to put anything in stories, and it's messier and it's easier to share other people's stuff, which I that's what I've found. Like whether it's, I hope I can I can out myself as being someone who follows Marguerite as a as a, one of her bosses, but uh, I found like like getting. Following some of our staff have been like more valuable to me in terms of their stories and the resources that they're sharing, opening myself up to different perspectives that may not come across my feed, which to be honest, like most of my feed was about travel. So like most of my follows are about travel. So the content I get even throughout this has been not necessarily indicative of like people going hardcore into you know posting about this a lot like they've they're they've been holding back a lot of the, the accounts that I follow but it's 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 just really interesting how how a platform can dictate the behavior so much and we're like broken records on it with our with clients saying like you can't post the same thing here and there, and then when you see something like this it it totally is a brilliant case study to be like. This is why the feed is completely different from stories, and those those lessons that we bang our we bang the table in boardrooms. Remember boardrooms when we used to like <laughs> go to those. Uh, yeah. Definitely, definitely, all rings true now when you see things like sort of play out in real time.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, again, specifically focusing on Instagram, I think the feed is a great place if you want to launch a discussion, right? Because you're able to uh, have people comment and and comment back to them and then people jump in and, and become part of that discussion. So I think if you have something that is worthy, is discussion worthy, or that's kind of one of the the goals of of that post, then the feed is a great place to put it. I think the reason we're seeing so many things in stories is because stories is is a fantastic place to share, first of all, things that are in the moment, so anything sort of real time, but also to share other people's content. And so you might not necessarily want to share someone else's, you know, video or whatever that is in your feed because it's maybe, it's not, it's not you, but, uh, you know, stories is a really naturally, just based on the functionality, uh, is a really natural place to be able to share a lot of those great, you know, IGTV videos or or a post or whatever that is. So that's kind of what, what my thinking would be as to why we're seeing so much happening in stories, but also the news is happening so quickly and there's so many great resources that are popping up that stories, again, is just that really perfect place to be sharing and telling, in some cases, telling a story of, you know, if there's five points that you wanted to make on a topic, sometimes that can be easier to do in stories. So that's kind of my perspective on, on the difference between the two, aside from people being mindful of their aesthetic.
3: Mm-hmm. And we've been uh, been been talking a lot about uh, Instagram, and I think on a personal level, where I've been doing by far um, the the most thinking when it comes to platforms is thinking about you know their parent platform and, and and Facebook, and you know from a real macro perspective, I think if 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 we don't go there, that's that's us not being authentic. And I I think for me, you know, just just to organize my thoughts here, when we think that we've got the CEO of Facebook, a platform with billions of people, uh, Mark Zuckerberg undeniably has incredible power. And I think there are so many bad actors that are spreading malicious information. You know, we talked before about the power of social media and how it could you know, shut down a brand that has no business being around. Uh, and that's the great side of it. But I think that that bad side with those bad actors, you know, be it related to, uh, you know, in factual election information or causing mental anguish for, uh, you know, the parents of the victims of Sandy Hook or, or you know, and, and most recently, potentially a, and really inciting uh, violence to racism and hate, I think it's not enough for that platform to wash their hands of it and, uh, and say, sorry, we're just the platform we're, 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 we're passing the buck. And, you know, I would like to, don't want to think that this is an all or nothing proposition and definitely don't fully have uh, a solution here. Um, but we need to figure out like this is the, the, the biggest and the most uncontrolled communications platform in the history. Of, of humanity and how how are we going to figure that out and and I think yeah I'm real I'm I'm really going macro here but I but I think you know uh, ultimately I subscribe to capitalism in all its imperfections and and I think can can you say the word real politic is that still a word people use I think it's like the only way to bring about change in some instances is hitting people where it hurts. And that's financially. And I think, you know, and I wish I had some big proclamation or announcement at the end of this, but I don't. But I think that's where brands and agencies, we are the ones who are giving that money to Facebook. So how do we reconcile that with what we know needs to happen? And, you know, maybe I'm able to better articulate this issue now that it's in my face through everything that we're seeing, but I've known it. And I think we've all known it and just haven't been so overt about it. And I think that's really what, what I want to be able to figure out. And like I was saying, I know capitalism's imperfect and it's not all or nothing. So, so what's the solution and how can we move to a place that, that, and and maybe it's brands recognizing and demanding, uh, or or sorry, brands recognizing that their customers are demanding they behave better. That's a part of the solution too. So that's, yeah, like I said, no grand proclamation at the end, but that's that's the big one for me.
1: So you didn't solve Facebook? I, I didn't solve Facebook. Sandy, I thought we talked like <laughs> 20 minutes about, ago about having tangible out, outcomes and here you are just like, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I want to be able
3: to talk about it, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I think it, I, that's what what's interesting. We've come to like the three weeks and now like there's a whole new part of the... Uh, the next thing we have to move on to is like Facebook and, and what are brands going to do about it and boycotts for July. And Mm -hmm. it, it, it's just a, a never, um, the three weeks that we've had is just going to keep going with new kind of things that brands are going to have to deal with. So they need to start moving the, the pieces into place to like continually work on these sort of things and not go back to a world where it's just business as usual well recognizing i think <laughs> sandy i too will come out uh, as pro capitalist <laughs> in <Yeah>. this podcast <laughs> uh, the the other part about all of this is that that small businesses to large businesses are under immense pressure to get back to um, selling things and getting back to business as usual so how do you thread this line of getting back to business as usual from an economic perspective while ticking all of these kind of things that people have raised and need to be actioned at the same time, which is kind of what makes 2020 such a not unusual, but unprecedented kind of collision of pandemic economic insecurity plus like social change happening since March 13th. How about we, we kind of um, take a turn for a a final sort of question about with the rest of the month being um, well, the month being um, dedicated to pride and historically Jules, you mentioned kind of how brands have, have kind of tried to live up to that genuine conversation, but maybe they haven't. How can, how can brands kind of navigate the, the. The rest of, of pride um, in a place where there's not going to be traditional things like parades or um, physical events, um, and how can can that kind of jump into the conversation without taking away from um, the immediate kind of Black Lives Matter stuff in a way that that brands have to do a lot of of work. What do you What do you what, What's your exit? Um, advice for brands on pride and moving forward.
0: To be honest, I I think it's the same as Black Lives Matter. I think it's just it's another marginalized group that... They want to see more than just a statement of support. They want to see action and, you know, whatever whatever that action looks like, you know, each brand needs to make that decision and and stand for something and show how they are continuing to, continuing to stand for something or in some cases not standing for something, right? Not standing for inequality and injustices and things like that. So I think if there's one, there's many things that will come out of these movements, but I think, you know, one of them is that, people more than ever are going to be more mindful of the brands that they are giving their money to. So people are going to want to start more than ever aligning their wallet to their values. And the brands that stand up and show, you know, uh, that they not only, you know, stand in solidarity with some of these movements, but also uh, have an action plan to continue to do so, I think they will be in a better position long term, because people will want to support those types of brands who stand for something. And so I really don't see pride any differently than than Black Lives Matter. And I think that people need to continue to use in the absence of being able to physically do things together, like parades, uh, then they have to be more creative and come up with other ways that they are supporting these marginalized groups long term.
2: And I don't think like speaking about pride and speaking about Black Lives Matter have to be, like, exclusive events. Social media has become such a vessel for this information is because, as we all know, major news outlets often write for an angle or write for the biggest, flashiest headline to get the most readers. But social media, it's, like, you or I can write anything we want. It's our raw thoughts and emotions. Like, people who are actually dealing with these issues uh, in their everyday life, this is where they go to, and this is where you can hear their actual thoughts. Um, and we've also seen with the Black Lives Matter movement, like the protests were organized on social media by younger groups. And I think going forward, it's it's definitely going to take more shape in getting that active support um, and really rallying behind it. And like even now, I've I've seen a bunch of different posts that are also highlighting not only the Black Lives Matter movement, but um, the crisis in Yemen right now and other issues that are happening around the world, the slave trade in Libya like that. There are so many other things that people don't know. And I think because social media has taken such a stance in um, conveying these different issues, I don't see it going away um, anytime soon. and some advice for, uh, not my words, but old people is...
1: <laughs> well done, well done.
2: <laughs> if I, I think just take a look at social media and follow channels that you usually wouldn't follow. Um, don't just look within your own groups. Like, I know the Explore feed also its algorithm is set up to cater to what you show but if you just look outside a little bit more and um outside of the groups that you normally follow um that's a huge influence too i think um for for the organization that i'm on um we focus on another marginalized group um, indigenous and chinese immigrants in vancouver and we've also had to kind of look internally and realize like that's not what we should focus on right now like we also have to kind of not put it on pause but speak more about the issue that's happening right now around the black communities and supporting local communities um in vancouver like hogan's alley yeah that's that's basically my point is just look beyond like what you do in your own little circle and kind of push beyond and and see what everybody else is saying because social media is so raw and Oftentimes emotional if you read the comment section.
1: I like that. That's why I'm following you. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, Sandy, what? What about you? Do you? Do you have some parting parting thoughts of where we go from here? I'm galvanized. This has <laughs> been uh, this has been a, an exciting conversation
3: for me as uh, as one of the olds. It's uh, <laughs> it's exciting to hear what's going on, and uh, I uh, you know let's let's together knock down those
1: social problems one at a time. Make it happen. I love it. Well, thanks for the great conversation, everyone. And and uh, we probably, in the spirit of this, probably need to uh, keep talking about it with the same group uh, in a couple of weeks' time and see where we at, where, where the world ended up.